this time I'm going to bring up not just a guest. This is my friend. Uh, I think the last time you were here was like 2010, 2010. Uh, she was here, and, and we met through uh, Bishop Eddie L. Long, the late Bishop Eddie L. Long, and I think the first time we met was in, in, uh, in the Bahamas. You presented in the Bahamas, and uh, as I listened, I was so impressed by what I heard and then several other times we got a chance to be in the same settings and so impacted. And uh, many of the things that you shared is what really helped me to process the loss of my mom, the loss of my, my dad, the loss of siblings, the loss of my, my great bishop. And uh, you helped me so much. And uh, there are several times that I cried. I didn't cry in front of everybody. But there were things that you helped me to process through. And I'm so thankful you came all the way from California, you and your assistant, to help us today. So I want you to give a warm welcome to Dr. Gloria Morrow. Thank you. I am humbled. I am so humbled. Um, I don't know what to say about Apostle Davis and his beautiful wife and family. Uh, God is just so good. And when he brings people together, uh, they're like pieces to your puzzle. And I, I don't ever want you to take for granted the people that are in your life because they, they hold pieces that you need. And sometimes you don't think that, but they really are important. And so over the years, it's not like we've talked every week or every month or anything, but God knitted us together. And so please give your apostle a huge hand. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. I want to thank my assistant, uh, Mr. Byron Jackson, for coming. Amen. Uh, one time I came to Atlanta and got really sick. Bishop Long was just wonderful and um, sent folks to the hospital to take care of me. But my one child, who's a son, says, Mom, you can keep doing this, but you won't be walking by yourself. You can't travel by yourself. So I thank God that um, I have someone that travels with me uh, that can kind of take care of me. Is that all right? Amen. Amen. We need that. And I want to say this uh, as I'm saying that. Brothers, we need y'all. Amen. Amen. We, we need you. And I, I want to say that because I don't think men always hear that or know that. You are needed. You are necessary. And... Sometimes we as women don't always know how to say that or to show that because, you know, we, we are us and we are different. So how many of you will know that we're different? Oh. <laughs> Amen. But I had the best father in the whole world. So when I talk to men or work with men, I come from a whole different perspective. I don't have that baggage. And sometimes sisters haven't had the luxury of having what I had. I was my daddy's blessed child, and that's what he called me until he died. So I grew up with a very positive perspective 
of men. Even when we go outside our boundaries, I'm still able to see your humanity and see your necessity and how important you are even when things get tough or you've had a hard time. So as a psychologist, and that's my uh, profession, I get to work with folks who are broken and in trouble, emotionally and mentally. But I work with much fewer men than I know we should be helping. And it kind of leads us to this whole impetus for this day today. There are many reasons why you don't seek help outside of talking to your apostle or someone in the church. And there's some good reasons too. You know, some things have happened historically that prevent people from wanting to get help. But even when you don't need that kind of help, just to be able to just say how you feel. Wow. That brother responded to that. Just to be able to say, this is how I feel. And it's kind of tied up in how men have been socialized. And, and I'm going to just ask you, and anybody can just kind of shout it out here. Uh, you know, how has a man been socialized? What is he supposed, who is the man supposed to be? Strong. Respectful provider. And we haven't been taught that it's okay for a man to cry. And what's so interesting about this is men are crying whether they're crying visible tears or not. Still crying on the inside because if you can't talk, if you can't say how you feel without retribution, then you're going to be suffering in silence. And I'm going back to my first statement. Men, we need you. Your families need you. Your church needs you. Your community needs you. Those sisters that are struggling to raise boys, they need you. Now, they don't need you with them, but they need those boys, with those boys, all right? Let's, let me, don't y'all go back and say, Dr. Gloria said that. That's not what she said, okay? Boys need men. Because here's what women do. Women raise boys to be men just like mama. And I know, because I'm a mother. And I was a single mother. And I raised my child to be a man just like mama. Until I repented. And guess who I repented to? To him. I'm sorry, I didn't give you everything you needed. But it's okay, you no longer can. So, we need you. We need you healthy. We need to be able to talk to y'all. 
Some of you still hear the voices of your mother telling you to take out the trash. So when your wife tells you, honey, could you get the trash? What? You're not my mama. Oh, I have a good group today. So let me tell you why this is important. Because in our field and profession, we're seeing more, and this is no disrespect to any other ethnic racial group, but more African-American and Latino males committing suicide. And boys between the ages of 12 and 14. So we got to stop playing. We got to start dealing with some stuff so we can put a stop to that. And there are many reasons, and we'll kind of get into a little bit of that. Um, we've been going through, I call, five major pandemics. Okay, so COVID, things happen. How many of your lives changed because of COVID? Yeah, yeah. Because men want to fix problems, but when there's something that happens that you can't fix, then you feel like I'm failing. And again, we as women, we don't realize that. We don't know why you're drooping. But part of that droop is about, I can't provide, or I can't fix, or I can't save, or I can't rescue. And then we have the racial injustice that we've been going through. And whether you're black, white, green, or purple, everybody has been affected by that. Because there's some good folks everywhere, of all groups. But when we are dealing with this constant racial injustice where you don't feel safe going in certain neighborhoods or being in your car, being stopped. That is a lot of stress for men. And then political chaos, it's crazy. So no matter what part of the world you're on as it relates to politics, it is distressing. And then we have economic and social issues. So the pandemics are really dealing with us in a unique way. But why is this woman talking about the things that make men cry? I am unapologetically not a man. There's nothing man about me. Amen? And I'm so honored that you would allow me to come into your man cave today. This is your man cave, and you're going to have some time in your own little groups to talk. And I'm not going to be over there listening because this is for you. I'm just setting it up. I want you to know that I was working with a couple. And when I'm working with couples, I let them tell on each other real good the first time. It's, I call it a tattle session. You know, he can tell on her, and she can tell on him. One time, because then I'm going to make you take responsibility for your actions and her 
her actions, because we're not going to get anywhere if we just get in that room and all we're going to talk about is what you didn't do or what she didn't do. So the gentleman was quiet the whole time because, you know, we girls can go. We have our list in our heads memorized. We can tell you the day that you offended us because we probably told you about 20 times already. And when we get to therapy, you're saying, does she have to keep saying that? Because she already told me that. But that's what we do. And he sat quietly. So what I do next is I separate them. So the next time they come, I'll see one of them. So that way I can really challenge them to talk about their role in what is going on in this relationship. Because if I can ever get folks to admit their part, then we can get somewhere. So he wanted to come first. He sat on my couch and he just started bawling. I could hardly get the words out because I wanted to cry with him. He was crying the ugly cry. It was a deep cry and I'd never really seen a man cry like that. I'm going, oh, I could hardly breathe. It was just so much. And when he came to himself, I said, where are those tears coming from? He said, I love my wife, but I can't please her. I can't do anything right. And we had our time together. And then I went home that night. And while I was preparing for bed, the Lord spoke to me the things that make men cry. And I didn't want to speak on behalf of men. And, and if we had sisters in here, I would be admonishing them. We have to stop speaking for y'all because we think we know. We do sometimes. But y'all don't take it too kindly when we do that. It causes you to shut down. So I pulled together 14 men from diverse backgrounds, ages, ethnicities, and I developed some questions and I interviewed them. And out of that came the things that make men cry from them, not from me. Because I'm not to be the person speaking on your behalf. So why is this time important? because I hope it will promote a greater understanding of the need for men to be emotionally healthy. I'm just ask, why do you think it's important for you to be emotionally healthy? Anybody, just raise your hand and tell us. Just, yes. Yeah, somebody said your health. How many of you all know that men die sooner? And I'm just of the belief, well, not only because y'all won't always go to the doctor when you need to go and get those checkups, but I'm, I'm just not going to go there today. But the stress of not being able to talk and get stuff out. Now, if this was a women's conference, this is a... First of all, I'm so impressed with this turnout. This is really huge. Amen. Amen. 
but if there were women here, we'd be in the balcony. Because we go to conferences and we, we talk. We're going to talk if it kills us. We're going to get stuff out. But men will not. So we know that it's important also for there to be validation of your silent pain. Because sometimes people don't take you seriously. They don't think that you are emotional. I raised a son. I know how emotional he was. I know when he fell in love, he fell harder than anybody I ever saw. So you are emotional. Tell your brother, you are emotional. Yeah, you're emotional. Absolutely. But you haven't been given permission to be emotional. You've been told to man up. And big boys don't cry. You've been told when you ran in the house as a kid to tell about Johnny picking on you, you better go back out there and take care of Johnny. Because big boys don't cry. You've been told that no matter what's going on, you have to provide. And what's interesting to me, some of the sisters that counsel sisters, let me, let me back up. Some of the single sisters that counsel married sisters. Now, I'm not bashing the sisters. But I just want you to understand how this dynamic works. They can always say what your man should be doing. But their track record it doesn't look too good. So also, we want to help men to become more aware of the negative consequences of us suffering in silence. How does that impact your health? on the real side. I'm going to tell y'all that today. Mental, physical, and even spiritual. If you don't get stuff out and you don't deal with some past trauma and some stuff that has happened in your life, you're going to be jacked up. And broken people break people. If you're not well, you cannot be well with someone else. And they're not going to be well when they're with you. And then lastly, we're going to look at some strategies to kind of help you to navigate through that. So here's what I learned from this research, the things that make men cry. Number one, open wounds. We have some past trauma, men. You know, there's a lot of attention paid to women and their trauma, but we don't look at the trauma that has happened for men. Physical abuse, sexual abuse, abandonment. We've got to start looking at the trauma that men have experienced because we're trying to do some work around domestic violence, and one of the things that they do when there is an altercation, the man has to go to anger management, and then he's supposed to go back home and everything is good. But he hasn't dealt with the stuff 
that makes him go off prematurely. We do some work around substance abuse. And we say, if we could just get you clean and sober, you'll be good. But we haven't looked at what makes you drink or use drugs. We see many divorces because of extramarital affairs. And we demonize men for that. We have not understood why a man goes outside his marriage. Because we have a negative view of men. And we just think men are dogs. And they just do what men do. No. Now, are there some sociopaths? Yes. And any man that thinks he can take care of more than one woman at a time needs to be locked up. Because <laughs> there's something wrong with him. <laughs> I, I, I've never gotten that. How you going to take it? What? By the time you finish getting my Louis Vuitton and all my stuff, if somebody else wants you after that, okay. She won't get very much. But we've got to stop seeing men as demons when they fall. There's a reason for that. And we also have to say that women also cheat. We, we have to look at that. And there's something wrong there when that happens. Because why, I often look at when people do this stuff, and I say, why would they give up everything they have for something that will only last a moment. You think about stuff you've done. <laughs> you, and and it, it, it was good for the moment. But did that solve the problem? Or did that take care of anything? That just added to an already stressed out life. But we got to stop dealing with it the way we do because if I feel like I'm a demon I'm gonna be a good demon if I feel like I can never get props I can never do anything right I can never be forgiven I'm gonna keep on doing what I'm doing but I will tell you you're hurting yourself and you're hurting God's feelings so those open wounds the past trauma uh, we wonder why uh, there's so much problem with interrelational uh, relationships. It's because of past trauma. I don't trust nobody. The second one was, I miss my dad. These men said, you know what? I miss my dad. And that's why I cry. Um, Bishop Long allowed me to talk about this in his church and um, I was just shocked. I, I asked all the men to stand who had not had a father in their lives. And men all over that church stood up. I was shocked. This is the South. Now, we're in California, but this is the South. But when I continued to talk about it, I said, but men had their fathers, but sometimes the fathers were still absent. Because the father worked and the father was out of the home and the mother said, leave daddy alone. He's got to get up and go to work the next day. 
Don't bother him now. So you never got to throw a ball with him or you never got to uh, have him at your activities. So you cried as a kid. And some men are still crying. That little boy in you is still crying. Because you're looking for somebody to make up for what you didn't have from that daddy. And most times it's your woman. Y'all stop putting that burden on those poor girls. She got to prepare your food a certain way. She, she got to do things a certain way. You got, you got all these restrictions. Part of that is the little boy in you is saying, I missed something, and I'm going to try to get it any way I can. I'm going to read a letter to you. And this was one of my clients, and he gave me permission to put it in the book. And when you hear it, I'm going to ask you how old this person is. Thank you for marrying my mom, for raising us, and for being my dad. Thank you for the many years of providing us with food, clothing, and shelter. Thank you for doing your best to father us, although I know you never really had a good role model. Because while you deeply loved your own father, Grandpa only knew how to provide the basics, food, clothing, and shelter. Therefore, you, yourself, did not know how to give of yourself the intangible things. I really need it. Companionship with you, your involvement in my academic life at school, your attendance at the father-son sports banquets, long talks with me about life, your encouragement of me, a pat on the shoulder. Oh, how I wish we could have tossed around the football, the baseball, gone fishing or played golf. Oh, how I wish I could have told you about my first kiss Similarly, I wish you could have discussed with me the facts regarding sex and other female-male issues. Oh, how I wish you could have coached me in sports. Also, I needed your guidance and pep talk when I was constantly bullied at school. That day, when I was severely beaten by two thugs, I wish you could have encouraged me. Perhaps my development of stuttering was an outward manifestation of my inward turmoil, of confusion and low self-esteem. That's why in my late teens and early adulthood, I look for surrogate dads in other men. Even to this day, I still feel incomplete. Yet and still, I thank you for being my dad, your son. How old is this guy? He's 70. He was 70 when I gave that assignment. And when you hear it, it sounds just like he was 12. So missing the father is another thing that makes men cry. Shattered dreams. How many of you had some dreams in your life that you really, really wanted to see come to fruition? And they were shattered. Oh, yeah, I see your hands, yeah. And that makes men broken. 
sometimes you're able to say, you know what? God had another plan. This is where I believe God is exercising the all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And I'm able to take that and run with it. But some of us grieve. Apostle has this in his book. Some of the grief has to do with those unfulfilled dreams that somebody told us we couldn't do it or you shouldn't do it. Oh, you need to stay on that nine to five. Don't you open that business. You don't have no money for no business. How are you going to have a business? And that causes resentment. Not only tears, but resentment. The next is love on the rocks. You know, uh, men want a good relationship. How many of you brothers want a good love relationship? Amen. And when it goes awry, what happens? You cry. But we don't think you do because you don't do it like we do it. So women would be in their room in sackcloth and ashes for months, crying, upset, angry, all of that. But men, we have to keep it going, don't you? I can't, I can't let that, that, that can't get in the way. So what happens when there's a disagreement with you and your spouse or your partner, what happens is she says he doesn't care because he can turn over and go to sleep. I didn't come here to tell a story. I came here to tell the truth. He is knocked out snoring in three keys. And she's just tossing and turning, you know, because she wants you to resolve it now. Yeah, she wants to resolve now because our heart language is different. We're not okay if we're not settled because we got our own baggage, because we are insecure many times. And when you shut off from us and you turn over and go to sleep, then our head goes to work and, well, he don't care about me. He doesn't love me. We take it there. So men cry secretly. Now, they're not going to cry out loud, but secretly because of that. Then this one, since I lost my babies, whether you lost a child to death or through divorce, that loss is great. And women sometimes don't think you care because if you made the decision to leave, then she thinks, well, he doesn't care about us, he doesn't care about these kids. And because men don't like conflict, they'll go down the street where Sally is happy if you just bring in a loaf of bread. She may have 12 kids. But all she does is smile when you come in the door. And so what happens, we think you don't care about your original children because you've moved on. And you've moved on physically but not mentally. So men cry when they can't put their babies to bed at night. They cry 
when they don't have enough money for child support. All men that can't pay child support are not irresponsible men. They may have some barriers. And then social injustice makes men cry. And I added too, when you're not healthy in your body, your physical health, how many of you had or have your regular, I know it's age because some of our younger men, I'm so happy to see these younger brothers here, it's wonderful, uh, age-related stuff, prostate screenings, colonoscopies, all of that, okay. Now I'm going to tell you all right now, get that stuff done. Get that stuff done. It can be corrected if it's caught early. But what happens is we don't get the screenings until it's too late. And then that makes you cry. Because when you're not healthy, when you're not functioning on all cinders, y'all know what I mean? Then you are not going to be happy. That makes you cry. And then your spiritual health. When we're not connected to God, brothers, in a real way. I'm not talking about going to church. This is really great. Y'all have shown up and shown out. But it's what you do between here and home in that relationship with God. Are you praying at home, praying with your family? Are you trying your best to live godly? Are you showing up for things where you can grow spiritually? That's what is important. And if you aren't, you're going to be crying because life is going to be so much harder. Because, see, this is where you learn how to deal with tough times. See, when you get close to God, you can say, come on, devil, bring it on. You know, when you're close to him... You can, because you have relationship with him. And some of us are still mad at God for stuff that happened way back when. So we're pseudo in relationship with him. Tentative. I'm just going to talk the truth, my brother, because that's what's got us sick. We are not connected with him in a real way. If y'all started just praying with faith, knowing it's going to happen. Some things would change in your home. You are no wit for your wife. She can out-talk you any day of the week. <laughs> Y'all know I'm telling the truth. And I'll think you too. I know you intellects, but that girl has been skilled because we are descendants of Eve. I have to tell the truth. So we know what to do and how to do it to get what we want. We have to break that spirit, but we do know how to do it. So your only line of defense is your heavenly father. Because you're no match for that. 
Because if not, you're going to be married 10 times because you're going to be leaving this one, going to this one, going to that one, going to this one, and it's going to be the same soup warmed over. Get connected to God. Start praying. Break that stronghold. Honey, I would like to get a new car and hear you. Well, honey, that's not in the budget. Oh, okay. And we know how to sulk so beautifully. You come home, your dinner is ready. You know the rest. We got younger children here tonight. Today. The next thing, you over there at the Lexus dealership. <laughs> now, now, you know you could not afford that car. But she going to look so sad, and she going to love you up so good until you don't want that to stop. So I'm over there at the Lexus dealership before they open to get that car. When if you had just gone on your knees and said, Lord, fix her heart. Teach her how to allow me to lead. It had been shut down. So if we're not spiritually connected, we are going to have some problems. So it's time for you all to talk. We're going to have some small groups. And why don't we get into groups of about seven men. And you got to do this quickly because we got to be out of here by noon. So let's move quickly to wherever you can find a little quiet spot and then get there and be quiet so I can give you the exercise. Okay. So get, find seven men. That's completion. Seven men. Oh, Lord, you've already been broken up into seven men, so, and we didn't plan this. <laughs> That's amazing. So get into your groups. So you remember who you're supposed to be in a group with? And sit down. Go sit down. Yeah, sit down with your group. Go find a place to sit down because you're going to do some work. Okay. All right. Now, brothers, let me give some instructions. We never get any better, any of us, men, women, or whomever. We never get any better unless we acknowledge where we are. You can never, ever kick a habit or anything unless you acknowledge this is where I am. The thing that stops us from sharing where we are is we violate each other because, you know, if I tell somebody, then they're going to tell somebody else. That won't be as big of a problem for the men because men typically don't do that. But it also means that when you put your head on the pillow with your wife, that you don't use that as an opportunity to tell them what the brothers in your group said because we don't want to violate each other because that stops us from doing what we're doing now. And what I want to see happen is long when I'm down the freeway somewhere, you all are still talking about your stuff. So what I want you to do 
for the next 15 minutes. Uh, what time do we have? What time is it right now? Oh, okay. All right. Uh, I want you to talk about the things that make you cry. And that means you got to have time for everybody to share. And let's just be there for each other. You're going to be each other's therapist today. All right? The things that make you cry, whether it's a visible cry or invisible. I see some young children. Feel free. Don't just say, when I get a spanking. Okay? <laughs> there are some things that even for children that make them cry. It could be what's going on with mom and daddy. That makes me cry. So take this time to do that. So you got, got to look at each other. You have to work this out. You'll do it. Uh, but let's, let's talk. Everybody talking at the same time. The things that make you cry. Okay, let's come back together. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that cleansing? Amen. Amen. How many of us talked about something we've never really talked about? Yeah, I see your hands. Even our kids. Thank you, son. Thank you. Um, just a few of you. Who would like to share? Just a summary. You don't have to give all the details. You want to share? Could you come down here with me so you can share in the mic? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh, stay in your group. Stay in your groups because we got more group work to do. What would you like to share with us? Some of the things that make me cry is God, worship, and um, other people when they're death and um, when after I get into fights. Can we give this young man, now this is some courage. Come on, come on. Amen. Wow, somebody's doing some raising of this young man. Thank you. Isn't that wonderful? Thank you, son. You know, um, he said something so pivotal. He said, God. God makes him cry. Y'all better raise that little boy. Amen. Amen. Okay, now who wants to follow that? Who wants to share? Yes. Uh, one of the things that makes me cry, my name is Dorian, by the way, uh, is being being abandoned at a young at a young age. And even though I had my mom in my life, I still had to still had to, you know, my mom was in the clubs, you know, doing what she was doing. And, you know, as much as I liked being able to kind of be on my own, there was times that the sun would come up and I would watch the sun come up and I had to fix my own bowl of cereal and just hope that one day, you know, my mom would actually fix my own bowl of cereal for me. Um, not having my dad in my life for a long period of time. And even though he was there, when I finally met him, he was still absent. And so now it's my job to live out the legacy that he was supposed to live out for us. So. Amen. Anybody else who cry because of abandonment, just stand up really quickly. Stand up really so he's not alone. Amen. Okay. Amen. Thank you, brothers. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Wow. 
Somebody else want to share? Yes. Okay. And then you, young man. I see you. Um, one thing that makes me cry is um, my dad was addicted to drugs. He got uh, hooked on crack cocaine like in like 85. So he's on drugs from 85 to about 2012. When I first got saved, I said, Lord, I want to get saved so my dad will be saved. Because people would talk about him in the streets and say what my dad did. And But I used to wish he was dead. But now our relationship, what makes me cry is the fact that I know one day he's not going to be here. Like the relationship we've developed. He does, I know he doesn't have long on the planet, so I'm always crying about the fact that he's not going to be here and how hard it's going to be. And that's what makes me cry. Anybody else had a parent that had some addiction? Stand, stand with this brother. Amen. You see? Yeah. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Because see, you know, you know what the enemy makes us think? I'm alone in this but you're not. Amen. God bless you. Come on, young man. Come on. Y'all gonna make me move to Alabama. Uh, hello, everybody. Most of y'all may know me uh, from jumping up uh, praise and worship. <laughs> jumping up and down for God. Uh, and my name's Cedric. Nice to meet all of you. And one of the things that makes me cry is my father not being there for a good amount of time. Me, I'm uh, very athletic. I love sports. And that's really the only time he was in my life uh, during sports. And I was mostly with my grandfather most of the time. He passed away recently to COVID. Uh, see, uh, One thing, I used to uh, follow this for a long time, is watching those you made memories with slowly become memories over time. Uh, so like I said, I spent most of my time with my grandfather. So he, uh, he actually was, he served in the army. So this is a special day for me because I always used to go over to his house and pay my respects to him for his service. And whenever I would give him a hug, he always rubbed his beard on my face. <laughs> so at the end of all that, after my grandfather passed away, my grandmother fell into depression. She died uh, not too long, right a few days before her birthday. Her birthday was Halloween, on Halloween. So it was a very hard time for me until I came to refresh. Wait a minute, hold on. 
as many men as can get to him when he goes there, y'all love up on this young man. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness gracious, wow. Wow. We just broke a cycle. How old are you, son? 13. Mm -hmm. Amen. So there's some consequences of the silent pain. And we, we do some stuff to deal with pain that's not healthy. And I have to say this because it's so important for us to understand where it's coming from. And I kind of alluded to it earlier, but sometimes we're drinking and using drugs. And those parents that weren't in your life, they weren't bad people, they were just impaired people. They weren't bad people. They were impaired people. Nobody gets up in the morning and says, I'm going to be an alcoholic. I think I'll be a drug addict. Circumstances causes people to self-medicate by any means necessary. And so we do a lot of things. So when we're hurting, if we don't get the right kind of help, we'll end up doing some things that are not healthy that will cause us to suffer even more. Sexual behaviors, gambling behaviors, being on this suicide mission, because if you don't take care of your health, you are on a suicide mission. You're not going for your screenings. If you have hypertension and yet you're still eating everything with salt in it, if you are diabetic and you're eating every pie cake that they bring in this church, suicide. I'm just going to tell you straight. Because when your sugar levels are high, the only place you can lead to is dialysis. And then after dialysis, it cannot be good because now you're talking about kidney transplants. And if I'm scaring you, good. So we're doing a lot of different things. We're over-recreationalized. We, we got to have recreation. How many games can you watch in a day where you're not engaging in conversation or doing something healthy, working out, walking, spending time with your girl, doing stuff with your kids. It's all a setup. We're doing that because we're not healthy. And some of you will say, but I like watching good. But in everything, it should be in moderation. You can't talk to your family because my stuff is on. And she knows that she stays right in the kitchen or outside somewhere because she knows I'm going shopping. But it's a sign that I'm not willing to engage, and it could be I don't know how or I'm just broken. And this is not to take, I love sports like everyone else, 
But if that's all you do, you can't go anywhere, you can't take a trip, you can't focus on anything else, you're hiding. And sometimes we even hide in the church. And this pastor is a balanced pastor, so I know that's not a demand. But every time the church doors open, you don't have to be up in here because your family needs you to minister to them. Do you know that's your first responsibility? And then God, his church, God, your family, and then church. But we're doing all kinds of things because I'm broken. I, I just got to keep myself occupied. We're eating. We're just not taking care of ourselves. And the statistics already say you're going to die first. And why is that? Because men have traditionally not dealt with the emotional pain because it all leads together. So the consequences of silent pain, the psychological damage. Some folks are dealing with depression. And let me just give you some symptoms, see if you can relate to this. Anger and frustration, violent behavior, serious risk-taking, driving fast, multiple sexual partners, addictions, because I don't just think folks are going to be healthy and do that stuff. I, I don't label people as being bad. I think something is wrong, and that's why I'm acting this way. Can't talk to your spouse or she talk to you because you blow up, can't have no conversation. She can't tell you what she wants to tell you because she need to tell you that because that's how we're programmed. But she can't tell you because you'll shut it down. I don't want to hear that. You're not healthy. It might be tight, but it's right. That's why relationships are not good because it's a one-way street. It has to be your way or the highway. That means you're not healthy because you really need that girl in your life. Just think about it. Without her, you're going to be like a snaggletooth person. Something's missing. And when you smile, everybody go see your tooth is missing. She has made every appointment for you, taking care of your tail while you're sick, put up with your stuff, all of that. And then you treat her like she's a second-class citizen. Because I, don't, I can't talk about that. Really? Something's wrong. Because if you value her and you're healthy, you'll sit down and say, all right, honey, let's talk. And I've told women, ask men when it's a good time to talk. Because sometimes you got a lot of stuff and, you know, it's not a good time. So you have to ask, can we talk? But that doesn't mean that you sit there and scowl at her while she's talking. I look like, are you going to hurry up and finish? 
is something wrong with you when you do that. Because if you're healthy, you welcome healthy feedback. Because she's the one that knows your tail better than anybody else. And she's got your back. She's not your enemy. She's not what you're forming at work. She's not the police that stopped you last week. But if you don't get healthy, you will be jumping from relationship to relationship because women are getting tired of that. You think y'all the only men? No. It is. It's just, it's right. We got to see, and that's why the church gets so disrupted. Don't you know when there's divorce and separation in the church, it disrupts the body of Christ in the church? Now, I can't go to that church because my ex is there. I got to go, <laughs> I got to go way down the road somewhere because my ex goes to church there. You just disrupted a whole ministry because we won't do what we need to do to get better. So psychological, anxiety. How many of you have anxiety? Thank you for being honest. Yeah, yeah. And with COVID, a lot of people have anxiety. Then physical damage, and I talked about that that men die faster than anyone else, especially black men. And then the spiritual damage is that we are away from God. We're not connected. So this time in your groups, I want you to talk about some of the things that you have done to try to deal with your pain on your own. What have you tried? Oh, we want to hear it. We want to hear it. All right. Let me tell you, it's the truth that sets us free. And my job, my job today is to help some brothers to be free. And if we can start acknowledging those things we're doing, that's unhealthy, dysfunctional, and out, and I don't use this word, outright crazy, if you start saying that, then you have to look at it. You have to deal with it. Then I'm going to show you what you can do to fix it. All right? Y'all brothers like to fix stuff, don't you? Yeah. Y'all like to fix problems and fix things, so you're socialized that way. So now I want you to, this is again, and again, we want to be confidential we want to make sure that we're not sharing anything that we talk about in this room. What is said in this room stays in this room. So let's talk again. We're talking about ourselves now. Okay. Let's go. Okay. You all have been providing some good therapy today. Very good therapy. I have a young man. I'm only going to hear back from one person because what you all talked about in those groups, I want you to feel comfortable to not have to share it with anyone else outside your group. But thank you because I could kind of see that people were really engaged and 
and saying, you know, this is what I've been doing. This is not healthy. But this young man wants to tell us something he's been doing that's not healthy. You want to tell us? So when I get mad, I start ripping my jeans, cutting my shirt, and getting mad. And then after that, you know those jeans that um, they got the strings on them? I start pulling the strings and cutting them off at school. Wow. Let's give him a big hand. Wow. Now, I'm going to ask this question because I don't want him to be alone. It, does anyone else get angry and do things that are not healthy? Just stand up. Stand up so he can see you. Amen. Amen. See that? You see? You see that? Amen. Thank you, brothers. Okay. Thank you. Yes. You know, God's doing some stuff over here. So what do we do about it? And by the way, all of us do unhealthy things. Every single one of us. All right. So if anybody comes here and tells you they don't, you can just look at them and don't say it, but say you're a lie and the truth ain't in you. Okay. But the first step towards healing is acknowledging your condition. You'll never, ever get better if you don't acknowledge your condition. Nobody needs to point it out. You already know. <laughs> you may not be comfortable talking about it, but you know. So you start there. And then... Brothers need healthy brothers in their lives. You can't do this thing alone. You need to have somebody you can call and just talk. Just like you did today, you have to be able to just talk. And sometimes when things happen, if you call that person and just talk, you're going to feel better because that person is going to give you godly wisdom. Because some of y'all are talking to folks that you shouldn't even be talking to. You having issues with infidelity and you talking to the biggest cheater in town. You've gone beyond where the scripture says it's okay for you to have a little wine, you drink and everything else. But who do you hang with? The biggest drinker in town. You'll never stop. You'll never change that behavior. So you've got to find a Christian brother. And I say that word loosely because everybody that say they're a Christian is not a Christian. We have quite a few folks that go to church, but everybody is not godly because what you want is godly wisdom. That ought to be the prayer like Solomon. Give me wisdom. We're asking for all this stuff, but you have no wisdom. So if he gave you all that stuff, you wouldn't keep it because you're not wise. So ask for wisdom. And you need brothers who are wise. 
You need to be okay to seek the help of a trained professional. Now, I know what has happened to us. I know that we have had a bad rap in the area of mental health. I know that they used us for guinea pigs. I know we had the Tuskegee syphilis experiment where our brothers and sisters died and were impaired because of science. I know when we were slaves, they said there was something wrong with us if we tried to run away. Because what slave would want to leave their home? Called drapetomania. They gave you a disease called drapetomania if you decided you wanted to run away as a slave. Because something had to be wrong with you to want to leave Massa. So we've had a bad history with mental health. But you get to ask for who you want. You can say, I want a Christian. I want somebody who looks like me. And if they don't have it in your insurance plan, guess what? They will let you go outside your insurance. But don't be sick and not get help. Because if you're sick, you are the needed one. You are so important to your family, to the church, to the community. If you're not healthy, everybody around you is not healthy. You heard these kids. If you're not healthy, you cannot produce a healthy family. And if you have gone astray, it's okay to come back to your family and say, I apologize. It's been me. And I'm going to get help. And I'm going to try to do better. And, and guys, alcohol and drug addiction is a mental illness. I have a handbook called the DSM Diagnostic Statistical Manual. And that's how we diagnose people. And guess what's all up in it? Substance use and abuse. You don't get it treated like it's an illness because they can't bill for it. So they'll give you another disease. They'll say you have schizophrenia or you have something else because they can bill for that. They can't bill for drugs and alcohol. And that's what has happened to us. Many have been misdiagnosed. Kids that have been traumatized sometimes get diagnosed with ADHD instead of trauma. So it's so important for us to know you have the right to get the therapist that can work best with you. Therapy is nothing more than what you just did today. Just talking, getting it out. Some of us are still grieving. I saw that cross with all that grief on the cross. It was nailed there. Very good. But if you start feeling that stuff again, you may need to keep nailing it there, but you might need to go see a therapist. Because over time, if that condition interferes with your daily life, you are no longer interested in those things you used to be interested in, 
you find yourself not yourself, then get some help. Then you got to have a hobby. How many of you men have hobbies? Good. Is it work? Because, you know, sometimes men, for, for a hobby, is work. <laughs> you know, I, I realize that I work all the time, and I said, I got to do something that is outside what I do. <laughs> He's saying, don't tell him. I am a Chicago stepper. Amen. And when I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, I don't think about nothing. You need something that you can do that takes you away. Because sometimes even watching the sports is not a hobby because y'all put too much work in that. You're mad at the team, mad at the coaches, jumping up, hollering and screaming. That's a lot of work. Oh my gosh. Hitting the TV, throwing stuff. Like my little fellow over there, cutting your jeans. You know, whatever you do when you get mad, you're doing that when you have those games before you all the time. So find something that's mindless because you owe yourself that. Exercising self-compassion. You matter. You matter. Our kids need you. There's some kids that don't have dads that need you. You, you saw the child right here. But if you're not healthy, you're just another disciplinarian. You remember those days? I, I, I'm an old girl, so I'm 73. Black does not crack. <laughs> and I will tell you, there were some folks growing up, they had carte blanche over my life. And I remember them to this day, but not fondly, because they didn't know how to love. Kids need love and discipline. But if you discipline them lovingly, they can receive it and will never forget it, and changes will be made. The, the other thing that I think is really important, again, is that relationship with Christ is central to all of it. How many of you would say, I'm close to him? Just raise your hands. Good. That's good. Very good. And if you couldn't raise your hand, everything is right here to help you to get there. It's a journey. It's a journey. You know, this whole thing we have about how you're supposed to come and then after that, uh, no. It's a journey because the flesh wants something that God doesn't want for you. So we have to constantly kill the flesh. Gloria has to constantly kill the flesh. And so do you. So it's a journey. But we can do our best job of doing that. So when we are in pain and we do feel those tears on the inside or even on the outside, we have a place to go. We can seek help. 
uh, medical workups. How many of you have had your annual medical workup in 2023? No, no, you all put your hands down. How many of you have not had a medical workup in 2023? Amen. So the year isn't over. It may be harder to get in now, but please call and get an appointment. Because most things that ail us can be corrected if we go in a timely manner. Remember, you're important. Keep telling yourself that I'm needed. I'm important to my family, to my church, to the society, to the community. I matter. If nobody tells you that, you got to tell yourself. Didn't the scripture say to encourage yourself? You've got to say, I matter. If I'm not here, this thing don't go as well. So the last thing I want to ask you to talk about, and we're going to stay where we are, and you can just pop up. Personal accountability is critical. So I don't want to leave here without people saying, I'm going to do some stuff to stop suffering in silence, whether it's getting a therapist, whether it's exercising self-compassion, going to the gym, going to the medical doctor, getting some new friends. And yes, there are people in your cell phone you need to delete. There's some women in your cell phone you need to delete. Because you keep getting tempted my friend. You keep getting tempted with that. So you're texting and talking. Oh, it's innocent. That's innocent until she makes you upset. And now I got a captive audience, so she and I are talking all the time. You're just asking for trouble because she ain't going to put up with your tired self like that person you have. Because the grass always looks greener on the other side. But it may be more difficult to mow. You know, you know what you have. You know what you have. You've been with it a while. You know what you have. You don't know what you're getting. But yet you're willing to keep toying around with that thing because I'm not sure. So, brothers, delete some folks. Be willing to say, I'm not going to keep hanging with him because every time I go out with him, I get in trouble. <laughs> every, you remember when you were in school, there were some fellas that you ran with. Every time you went out with them, you were going to be in trouble. But y'all still got them today. Some of you still have some of those th same people that if you, well, we just going to go over here and Mm -mm. You need to let them go. And don't be mean. Just say, God is taking me in a different direction. And I'm praying for you. That's being a big boy. That, <laughs> that's being a big boy right there. Because you know you're going to be in trouble with this person. But if you can say, you know what? That person is unhealthy for me. Anybody have any unhealthy folks in their life that you'll raise your hand and admit? Thank you for being honest. Thank you. Yeah. Even my young people. Get rid of them, honey. Now, 
because they're going to get you in trouble. They're not going in the same direction. You know, how can the two of us walk together and we don't agree? Do not yoke yourself up with unbelievers. I'm sorry. I, I have to tell you the truth. But the reason we get into trouble, we're confiding in, hanging out with people that we should not. That God has already told you. I'm just the messenger now, but God already told you. I'm not a proper liar. I'm telling you what I know to be true, that every one of us has people that we need to say, uh-uh. So the question is, what are you going to do to stop suffering in silence? And then pastor's going to come and pray with us, and we're going to let you go watch your game. Or take your kids for a ride. <laughs> or take your girl on a date. <laughs> but before you do, before, before we get there, hold on. I need some acknowledgement. Who's going to just say what you're going to do to stop suffering in silence? Anybody? What will you do? Say that again. Continue to keep going to therapy. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. That's going to bless somebody who's been on the fence about therapy. Thank you. What else? Yes. Be honest with yourself. Amen. Good stuff. Somebody over here was talking. Yes. Keep worshiping. Amen. Yes, honey. Take it. Ooh. I need you to come up here. Bring him up here. I need him up here to say that. My God today. First of all, how old are you? He's eight years old. So what can we do? We can, st we can start taking medicine, and then we can start talking out our emotions. <laughs> Thank you, baby. You can go back now. I I'm going to take him with me on the road. Wait. <laughs> That's good. Let me get a few more. What else will we do? Yes. Better communication. Amen. Someone else. Yes. Okay. Find an accountability partner. You got a bunch of them in here, too. Amen. Anybody else over here? What about over here? What you going to do? Anybody on this side? Okay. Stop trying to do it by yourself. That's good. Huh? Listen to apostle. Very good. I know that's good. Yes. You had something? Yes. Make sure you remain yoked correctly with other people. Amen. Yes. 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 Huh? Getting closer to God to keep praying. Yes. 
Oh, oh, okay. I'm going to come back on that one. He said, learn how to forgive yourself. And, and confess your weaknesses. Woo! Stop asking advice from folks who don't know deadly. I, I added to that. Okay. Yes. You had something, son. Amen. Keep moving forward no matter how big or small it is. Yes. And forgive others. That's a perfect one for me to close on. The reason we still suffer from trauma is we haven't forgiven people. And harboring unforgiveness is like drinking poison expecting the other person to die. Unforgiveness is single-handedly something that affects our heart and stress because of the energy it takes. Forgiveness is not about the other person. It's about you. And you can exercise one-way forgiveness or two-way forgiveness. One-way forgiveness happens when the person will never, ever say they're sorry. But you still have to forgive them because what? The Bible says so. You still have to forgive them, but you don't have to restore them. You get that? You forgive them, but you don't restore them because they're not sorry. They're going to keep doing what they're doing. So you can't put them back in your bosom like you put the frozen snake who was unthawed and bit you after you rescued it. One way forgiveness says, the, the word of God says, I have to forgive you because I've been forgiven. But I don't have to walk with you every day. And I don't have to have you in my conversations every day. And when I see you, I can still smile and be cordial. All right? Because I'm not hurt by it anymore because I let it go. But I just know you're not somebody I can embrace in my heart. Two-way forgiveness, the person is sorry, repentant, and the Lord will speak to you and say, not only forgive them, restore them. So shame on you if someone has asked you to forgive them and you still haven't forgiven them or restored them. Be careful with that because, Lord... God has certainly forgiven and restored us. Amen. I think about that every time. I want to be unforgiving and mad. I think about the fact that Gloria, a wretched soul that I am, as you are, all filthy rags. We, you got to get that. You don't, if you don't get that, you miss the whole day. Because there's none righteous, no, not one. So if you don't take that mantra of saying, I forgive you and I let it go. And I'm going to remember some things 
but I'm going to remember what I learned. I'm not going to remember every sordid detail of what you did or what you said, but I'm going to remember the lessons I learned from it because that's what will take me forward. I love you, man. You all are great. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together and praise God for Dr. Gloria Morrow. Wow. 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 Wow, you just made my job easier. We, we get up in, in, in men's services and we, and we lecture, and we never get to give you a chance. And I'm, I'm watching, I'm observing everything. And we never give you a chance to open up your mouth and communicate. And what she's done uh, this morning has just really enlightened me.